Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Monday Madness podcast. I am Nathan Baird. He is Doug Maurice. It's the final of the regular season, the final Monday Madness of the regular season. And we're going into it with even more madness than usual because we don't know exactly what game we're building up towards on Saturday. Obviously, this is the final week of the regular season. It was supposed to be Ohio State-Michigan week. It's supposed to be the game. Michigan is dealing with its own coronavirus issues one week after Ohio State had coronavirus issues, so we don't know yet that Michigan's going to be able to play the game, and we don't know what that will mean, so we're going to talk about that right away first off on the podcast this week, but Doug, you've been covering the Ohio State-Michigan game since you got back from that tour duty in Korea, and I'm curious if you've ever gone into a week where there's, there's been this much up in the air. I mean, I probably not, right? I mean, there's never been – you've never had a week where it was, like, in danger of not being played, obviously. So this – I this it seems like the, this week is always about so much, like, pageantry and about so much uh, history and this, this excitement and the rivalry. And this week it is about, uh, like, the Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, you know, I wrote this last week, and we've talked about it, that – you know, to me, it feels like, and this is our texters sort of told us this, that like, you know, for some reason, the Ohio State-Michigan game wouldn't be played. It wouldn't be the end of the world for everybody. And the point that I tried to make in the article I wrote was that for Ohio State winning, like beating Michigan is a big deal and losing to Michigan would be an even bigger deal. But I'm not sure that right now that playing them, right, is, is the end of the world. It's like if you do play the game, then it's the biggest thing going. But I think, I think if they would wound up – if they wind up playing Maryland or somebody else on Saturday, um, it's just so weird. I think people would move on. And I don't want to get bogged down with that because, again, I'm sure there are people listening to this who, who vehemently disagree with that idea. But I think that you make a good point that we have at times struggled, I think – as media members, I'm sure the fans have struggled with it to sort of like analyze the football this year because sometimes it was like, okay, well, we didn't get to talk to anybody or okay, well, is the game going to be played, right? That that's been odd. 
But I actually do think the thing, and you use the word pageantry, that's the thing that's been lost the most. And that's the biggest difference between the NFL and college football. The NFL has no pageantry. They have fans, and it stinks to not have fans in the stands. But everything else that goes into college football, the band, you know, the best damn band in the land, people aren't seeing that. Um, just, you know, how much people care about college football. And that's, I wonder how this week is going to go. The governor has like traditionally, I think DeWine did it, like issued a proclamation, don't use an M, you know, like, like they put the tape. Are people going to go around and put the tape over the M's on signs on campus? Uh, I don't know. I mean, how can you not have a week with X'd out M's all over Ohio State's campus? But my gosh, I mean, there's nothing going on on campus. The, the students are gone. They went home. So I imagine that's not happening, right? So like, that's going to be a little weird. And it's like, oh, you can't wear, you know, I mean, not that this is, it's like, you can't wear blue in the facility. Well, it's like people aren't really coming in the facility. They're doing Zoom meetings. You know, I mean, it's just like, I do think we're going to feel it, right? Because some of the most fun stuff for everybody, players, coaches, fans, media, is the stuff around the Ohio State-Michigan game. You know, we may play the game Saturday, but it's just, we're not going to have as much as the, as much of the stuff around it. And I think we'll miss it. Yeah. it's something really is already kind of missing from this week. I mean, I already noticed it um, when I lived downtown here in Columbus uh, down in like the short North area. um, Those, those X'd out M's are up all year round. I mean, there's businesses, there's street signs that have those up all year round. And I haven't noticed it on my side of town. So that may just be a bit of a demographic shift, but the vibe just isn't here yet. And it, even after the game yesterday, um, you know, they win 52 to 12, they beat another big 10 team, 52 to 12, which you would always think is like this, sort of triumphant surge into Michigan week. And I saw players posting about it. I know the coaches are kind of talking about it, but under the circumstances, and especially considering Ohio State's own circumstances, I just felt like the that um, sort of coronation of Michigan week was really tamped down yesterday. And I, I you, you don't feel it yet. Was anybody asked about the Michigan game in the postgame? I believe Ryan Day was asked if he'd heard anything about what's – he was up. asked, like, is it going to be played? Right. But typically, having covered, again, done this for a long time, often the post-game interviews of the game before the Michigan game turns into a Michigan game preview immediately. It's like, oh, great, you beat Michigan State by 40. Who cares? It's Michigan week. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And, man, after the game Saturday, we're talking about, like, Ryan Day, how do you feel? Do you have COVID symptoms? Larry Johnson, you coached the game. How was that? Justin Fields, you hadn't played in two weeks. How did that? Like, there's so much other stuff going on. Nobody, we weren't thinking. It's our job. I mean, it's like the players can't answer questions they're not asked. But we were not zeroed in, lasered in on Michigan. And we almost always are. So that's some little indication. And listen, I don't want to pretend to diminish what the players and coaches think about this game. I mean, we, we know the deal. These guys are, are fired, going to be fired up for it. They want to play. I mean, they'll be, they'll be disappointed if they don't wind up playing Michigan. So, you know, they're, they're going to do a lot of that stuff. But um, it's just going to be different, I think, different for the people on the outside for sure. But I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see how Ryan Day is on Tuesday. But, again, when we talk to Ryan Day on Tuesday on a Zoom call, we're going to ask about Michigan. But we're also going to be like, hey, you're back. You're coaching the team again. Hey, what do you think of the six-game rule for the Big Ten and the Big Ten championship game? Hey, how do you prepare if you think there's a chance that you're going to be playing a different opponent? Hey, like we're not just going to be saying like, how much do you dislike Michigan, right? So I don't know. But I will say 
Last year, we got a real good dose of this. And then Ryan Day was emotional after the Michigan game and talking about the pressure of being a head coach and that he wanted to prove to people, hey, I didn't grow up in Ohio. I didn't grow up in this rivalry. But I wanted, I understand how important it is. And we really hammered that a lot with him last year. And then when he got a win in that game, it really meant a lot to him. So I'm glad for him. I'm glad for us. I'm glad for the fans, for the listeners, for the texters, for everybody. I'm glad that this is not Ryan Day's first Ohio State-Michigan game because he got to live the full-throated experience of debuting as a head coach in the greatest rivalry in college football, maybe the greatest rivalry in sport. And so if his year two is kind of wacky, it'll be okay. Well, but, and, but more to the point, there are some people who, for whom this is their last Michigan game. It's either players who will be playing in this kind of weird week and that'll be the last time they experience Michigan, or there's going to be some players who don't play in this game because of the circumstances of this week. And I think that's unfortunate. That's something that we'll obviously revisit you know, later in the week because uh, it's some key guys that were not on the field this past Saturday at Michigan State and uh, guys who we don't expect to be back next season, either because they're, their uh, eligibility is expiring or they are NFL prospects. And if they're not eligible to play again this week, that's a big loss for their careers. I think they're going to look back and, and kind of lament that, assuming the game is able to be played without them. Um, though I think they're probably also kind of rooting for the game to be played without them because that's better than the alternative perhaps. But we'll get into the dynamics of the game a little bit later because we have, as people know who listen each week, we have our, our segments where we um, go through various topics and one of them will be about the betting line, which is not small. Uh, but we're going to start off with story of the week because we obviously have the same story of the week this week. And I kind of wanted to break down for people because I think this sort of sets a stage for the week. What do we think about what we're hearing about Ohio State Michigan being played? And if it can't be played, how do we kind of rank then the alternatives to that? Because I think the Big Ten has a few. We don't really have great indications which one they might be leaning towards, but I think there are some options that the Big Ten can explore. First up, I mean, Gene Smith did an interview on his podcast this past week where he said that he was optimistic that Michigan can play. Um, Michigan people on the record have talked about being optimistic they can play the Detroit Free Press had a, an article saying that there were multiple Michigan officials who were pessimistic that that game's going to be able to be played because of the situation that's going on there with coronavirus cases um, the AP reported that they had about 12 we talked about this I guess on the postgame pod the other night they had something like 12 which is similar to Ohio State's number so I guess just right now Doug what is your vibe like what are, do you if you had to mark it down on a Monday because it is a Monday um, is this game going to be played Boy, it's hard because I was confused because it did feel like various people were reporting the numbers, which, as you said, it's like, you know, I mean, if you cancel the game, you've got to be up there. Nobody's canceling the game because they have like four positive tests in the program. So if the, if the reports are like, hey, they have like 12 or so, it's like, OK, well, yeah, that makes sense. But there were conflicting reports that some people were taking that optimistically and some were taking it pessimistically. And that confused me yeah. because and on the other hand, we're talking about Minnesota has more than 40 cases in the program and they've missed two weeks. So my initial reaction would be if Michigan's case number is more like Ohio state's case number, which is in the, was in the teens and it's not at 40 and it starts to trend the right way. And they don't have a bunch of more positive tests this week. I guess in the end, I will mark it down now that the game will be played because I think the fact that Ohio state played last week is the best side for Michigan playing this week. Because Ohio State broke the trend. They were the first Big Ten team that didn't have to miss two games. And if Michigan tracks that way, and it's a program with resources, it's a program that seemingly has been careful, that maybe a little bit, you know, like tried to 
a little preemptively cancel and then to save the second week, then I guess without Ohio State having done it, I would have been pessimistic, right? Wouldn't you have like, okay, sure. well, everything we've seen is you missed two weeks. But Ohio State bucked that trend. And so I guess for now, I'll believe Michigan can buck the same trend. And I do believe they'll try to play. I do believe if they can do it, I don't think they're going to back out. The whole Herb Street thing we already dealt with. I think if they can, they will. And I think there's a chance they can. You know, I think when we all woke up last Monday morning, weren't we all skeptical that they were going to play that day or that week, this past week, Ohio State play this past week? I mean, I was certainly skeptical that they would be doing even small team workouts that afternoon, but they were. And they were back at practice Tuesday, and they were able to get it done. And one of the things Gene Smith brought up was that he thought – that Michigan was doing some of the same things as far as enhancing their testing. You know, we heard uh, Dr. Jim Borchers said that they had done more PCR testing. Justin Fields kind of um, uh, backed that up with what he said post-game Saturday, that they had done a lot more PCR tests to, to, to make sure people were uh, not, you know, carrying this around or help ensure that. So I think there's a lot of signs that point toward it being optimistic that they should be able to get this game in. And I, I, I definitely push back on the, the the ridiculous narrative that Michigan is running scared and doesn't want to play the game. And then the only thing is, I mean, if they have a couple positive tests early this week, then that changes that thinking. Because sure. the whole thing with about Ohio State was it felt like they had that they had those positive tests Friday afternoon, the day before the Illinois game, and then they at least started trending the right way pretty quickly. So if you have a second outbreak, if we have, if we hear that Michigan has a bunch of positive tests Monday or Tuesday, then I were you know, then this game's in trouble. Oh, sure. But, but guess what? Guess who else could have a second outbreak? Ohio state. Like, oh, there's, right. no, there's nothing predict. There's nothing stopping that. That's what I'm writing in one of my, uh, in my madness column that'll be on Monday morning. I have a little segment there just saying like, Hey, just so everybody knows, like when these players come back, when these coaches come back, Ohio state's not out of the woods. This is going to follow every team in college football through these. And I think the, the count now is up to 118 games canceled or postponed since the start of the year. And a lot of those are postponements, and some of them may be multiple postponements. But 118 times the schedules have been changed. And I know there's 100 and some teams, so you can start to see where that average is out to. And I don't know. I mean, the chances of all of the conference championship games being played without incident and even then the college football playoff being played without incident um, – I think it's going to be a pretty harrowing month or so of, of trying to get important football games in against the trend, really. I mean, considering I know it's a, it's not a like majority percentage of the games that were played, but it's enough that have been played. That makes me think that we're going to be like, it's going to be pretty precarious here through the rest of the entire season. While we assume it will continue to get worse in the country, which right. Just the, the, the spike of colder weather and people being inside and, if there's more in your community, there might be more in your football teams. We're going to go to the first category now, which is – I'm going to actually change it up because I feel like we're going to jump around too much on topics. Let's go to um, fear factor because I think that's – that is what, what what a lot of fans are coming at us with. They're asking us questions that are sort of directly related to their fear of this game. It's not at all really so much what their fear of losing to Michigan is. It's what their fear of the game happening is. I think that's what this transitions to this week. Um, and I understand why they're, why they're afraid, and I think that there should be a fear factor. I would say if I'm putting a percentage on this game being played right now, I, I'm optimistic that it gets played, but I may be at like 57%. So I think I would agree with that. But then I think the second thing we have to talk about is because the reason that people fear it won't get played is because they fear, well, they want the Michigan to be played. That's part of it. But they also fear what it would do to Ohio State. So what's the fear factor on like 
not playing the Michigan game, derailing Ohio State's playoff chances, however that would be. Whether they then go play somebody else who, who I don't know. I mean, then you, maybe that's part of it too. The fear factor of, hey, if you play Maryland on three days' notice, all of a sudden Maryland, frankly, is better than Michigan. Is that a greater chance of Ohio State losing? Or if you don't play and now you don't play in the Big Ten Championship, if they don't change the rule, then you don't – does that greatly hurt your playoff chances? So, like, what's your fear factor of, of that? So, if you say – what you say, 57? So you 57. Th- 57 fear? But that doesn't mean 57% chance the game won't be played. No, I said 57% chance the game will be played. Will be played. 43%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that sounds about right. 60-40-ish sounds about right to me. But what's your fear level? If What should we convey to Ohio State fans? The fear level of the Michigan game not being played and the domino effect of it on Ohio State's playoff chances. What's that right. number? Well, that's, I wanted to kind of go through, because the, there's a couple of options here. The, the most primary one, the one that would cause Ohio State fans, I think, the most fear right now, based on what we know about the Big Ten right now, is the Michigan game gets canceled. Minnesota is able to play, and the Big Ten changes nothing as far as the schedule. And right now, the way it's set up, there's a six-game minimum to get into the Big Ten championship game, and Ohio State would not reach that. So I think that's – I mean, what do you think the Big Ten does in your, in your heart of hearts? What does the Big Ten do in that scenario? Because my assumption is that there is definitely well, – you can, you can hear from Barry Alvarez. Um, there's definitely some movement for uh, – there is a sympathetic group within the conference to get that rule changed so that you would then go by winning percentage or whatever, or you would, you would look at it and say, hey, if – Ohio State would still have the head-to-head tiebreaker over Indiana, so they should go. Um, but I don't think it's unanimous, and I think it's going to take some politicking and some arm-twisting maybe. So what's, well, I guess what's your level of confidence right now that, that the Big Ten would come to a resolution that favors Ohio State if the only game that gets canceled is the game? I mean, they brought the season back because Ohio State wanted to. I just think it's too much common sense. So that's why my fear factor on, like, the Michigan game not being played and that derailing Ohio State's playoff chances is very low. I would put that at 15 or something because to me, they either A, they're either, whether it's because a game is canceled and it doesn't take all that much maneuvering and Ohio State gets a new opponent, or B, they do really jerry rig it and, you know, tell Rutgers you're not going to play or something, which again, I think is completely reasonable. I think there is, I think there is nothing about that that's unreasonable. Because why doesn't Ohio State get to play through no fault of their own? Okay, so now Rutgers doesn't get to play through no fault of their own. What's the difference? There is no difference. Except Ohio State already missed one game through no fault of its own, and Rutgers hasn't missed any. So you're just sharing the burden of no fault of your own. Because the schedule's just all luck. I mean, there's nothing else to it. So I have zero problem. And I get I just the idea like that that would be extra mean to Rutgers. I just I don't understand it even 1%. So I think you could do that, or they don't play. I think the Big Ten would, would put Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Because even if you said, we'll give you the theoretical loss, forfeit a game, you get – I mean, not really. You know what I mean? They're just right. – they'd still get in. If Ohio State had not – right? If, if there wasn't this rule change out there, Ohio State would have clinched its spot in the Big Ten championship game already. Yeah, yeah. If, if Ohio State or if, or if Ohio State had played either the Maryland game or the Illinois game and lost, it would still be on trajectory to go to the Big Ten championship game. Well, but, but, if, but the whole point is they could lose a game and still get in because they have the tiebreaker. So right, if this was a point, normal yeah. season, but if this was a normal season with no fear of a game being canceled, they would have clinched it. 
So, right. so that, I just think, I mean, it's just common sense. It's just common sense. And I, and I texted this out to our, our tech subscribers the other night. And I'll just get more in fights with people because I'll get in fights with people who tweet stupid stuff. I can't handle a lack of logical thinking. I can handle anybody's opinion on anything. And my opinion and my predictions, my opinion is wrong all the time. But I hope most of the time it comes from a logical line of thinking and that it's still wrong. When your line of thinking has no logic behind it. And if I was on a podcast with you, I could tear your reasoning apart in 30 seconds. You make me mad. So Chris Falica, who's like a stats guy or a betting guy or something on college game day, tweeted out something about he would feel bad for Indiana if the Big Ten would change the rule. And like Indiana, if all this would happen, then Indiana wouldn't get to go. And it's like, you'd feel bad for what? Because right now, Ohio State's on schedule to go. The only thing keeping Ohio State out is the threat of Ohio State not playing. So it's not like Indiana's booking reservations for Indianapolis right now. Indiana should have no claim to that at all. The only way Indiana gets any claim is if the game for Ohio State is canceled and they can't schedule a new game. And so any rule change that the Big Ten would make would be simultaneous with that being determined. Listen. Their game was canceled. We couldn't figure out a way to schedule them a new game. And here's the announcement that those things are happening and we've waived the rule. So there will not be a nanosecond when Indiana will actually think that it's going. And if they're sitting in Bloomington right now thinking, oh, man, Michigan's got some cases. Come on, Michigan. Keep getting COVID. Oh, oh, there's a, oh, Michigan has a positive test. It's canceled. We're going. And, like, you feel sorry for them if they can't go, your lack of logical thinking disqualifies you from tweeting. So be dumber, I wish. I wish. Chris Falica. <laughs> be dumber. Because what about feeling bad for the Ohio State players who actually won the frickin' division on the field and now would be denied the chance to go because their opponent can't play? Just seriously, be dumber. You're paid for this crap. Fans can say whatever they want because you're not making money off of it. If you're a media member and you're paid for this, your lack of logical thinking is an embarrassment. So come on this podcast and make a logical argument for why you feel bad for Indiana if they change the rule. Because guess what? There's none. So congratulations on your ridiculous tweet. I think of the two options, if Ohio State, if Michigan can't play, of those two possibilities, either they put Ohio State against Maryland and tell Rutgers to take a hike, or they just rescind the six-game minimum, I think rescinding the six-game minimum is more likely. I think, I, think, I think screwing Rutgers or one opponent and giving Ohio State another game for its playoff resume is a better option. I, I don't disagree but, with that. I think they should do that, actually. But, but I don't the, think they will. But the idea of – yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would rather get them the game, right? But again, I mean, the idea – I mean, it's just it's, – it's, I mean, if you get them the game, it also pushes back a little bit on this narrative that you're just – because no one is arguing that the, that the Big Ten needs to just give Ohio State a path to the college football playoff or even just give them a path to the Big Ten championship game to just put them there, to just like put them on a cloud and carry them over and lay them down next to Northwestern in, in Indianapolis in two weeks. Nobody's saying that. What I think they're saying is – we. well, I know what they're saying. What I'm saying, don't put these – 
don't build a roadblock for no reason. And that's, that's what they're doing here. They're, they're in, or, 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 or enforcing a roadblock that didn't need to be there. And they built the roadblock with good intentions at the time. And it turns out that the execution of the roadblock would be silly and counterproductive. So then either, so you have two choices. If you have a roadblock that you put up because there was a giant hole and you did not want people to drive into the hole. So you put up a roadblock, but now it turns out it's the only way to get to where you want to go, right? Uh, well, we're here now and we have to get over there. And I understand there's a hole there and you didn't want Ohio State to drive into the hole, but now Ohio State's here and they have to get there. So you have either two choices. You can either fill in the hole, okay? So fill in the hole and like, I don't know, I'm not trying to make sure in the analogy which would be which, but you can either fill in the hole or you can let them go around and go around the roadblock out to the side, right? And get around it. But what you can't do is just say there, well, we put up a roadblock with good intentions and now it turns out this roadblock is stupid, but we can't move it. That's not leadership. And you know, that's not, that's not common sense. So, um, you know, like it's not, it's not hard. And, and, and you just need all you need is people. And, and I don't care if you hurt a couple feelings because you can explain the hurt feelings. If Indiana has its feelings hurt, win on the field. If Rutgers has its feelings hurt, I'm sorry. Talk to the other teams who had multiple games canceled. You lose one, you're fine. You know, like just, it's okay. But let's not, let's not let a roadblock stand in the way of common sense. Chris Falica, God be dumber. All along the way, the things that we've complained about, the Big Ten fouling up on this, a lot of them trace back to um, unnecessary rigidity. You know, it's, it's instead of saying, hey, we're taking a one-week pause to reassess how things are going and look at the science, they said all fall sports are canceled. Or not one week, but like some, some small period. Um, they, you know, they, they could have given themselves, got things started sooner, given themselves more time to play the eight games, given themselves some chances to, to some open weeks. They didn't do that. They had this rigid eight week structure. Like it seemed like every, the things that they've really messed up have all come back to not giving themselves enough flexibility. And here's one where they should just announce that they are claiming flexibility because they're claiming it only from themselves and use it. And I, I agree that what you're saying, I mean, there are going to be some hurt feelings because there are people who don't like it any time that a, a program like Ohio State has someone help them because they feel like they already have a lot of advantages. And they do. They do have a lot of advantages. All right. But, let's, can but, we do this? Can we play a game called Are Your Feelings Legitimate? Tell me who's feelings. We've only feelings got how many. Okay, go ahead. Who's, <laughs> whose feelings are hurt? Who, in your mind, whose feelings might be hurt if Ohio State – if the Michigan game's not played, right? So that's the thing. Because if the Michigan game's played, then none of this matters. So all of this is contingent on the Michigan, Michigan canceling, and then you open up the door. So if Michigan cancels, whose feelings might be hurt? Well, you're talking about there's a difference between legitimate hurt feelings, which, you could, which some portion of Rutgers could kind of claim. If, if in that scenario we're talking Why? about where they don't get to play. Because for the same reason Ohio State people would complain that they were getting robbed of a game for, that wasn't of their own accord. So I'm not mean, saying it doesn't. You mean like, but you, you mean like other teams who did, who did not have positive tests but were robbed of a game? Exactly, and I'm not saying it doesn't. Positive I'm not saying it doesn't wash out. I'm just saying those teams feel bad when they don't get to play. As multiple teams in the Big Ten have felt this year already. 
Right. And Rutgers has been fortunate to not be one of them. Right. Okay. So your feelings, Rutgers, if you feel that way, if it comes to that and you feel that way, your feelings are not legitimate. I was giving them like okay. partial credit at no, best. There's but then everybody else's, everybody else's hurt feelings are imagined. Correct. Okay. So Indiana's feelings completely imagined. If, they're, if their feelings are hurt, not I don't legitimate. know what they're claiming. I don't know what they're claiming to have um, dominion over here. I don't understand why, they, why there are people who are so adamant that Indiana has somehow earned its way into the Big Ten championship game. I don't it's understand. people, only people, and we don't believe, we don't know that there are any Indiana people who, th- who actually think that. It would only be people who lack logical thinking, who are incapable of logical thought. Beyond, they made a rule and now they're changing well, it. I don't, I don't think it's people who are incapable of, log- of logical thought. I think it's people who choose not to engage in logical thought as a way to um, protest again. Some a, a team like I sound like a homer right now, and I'm not because, I, I, as people know, I came from I'm not from Ohio State, and I, I, I all of my professional life has been outside of Ohio State. But I, I I can see the dynamic on Twitter and other places that it's a lot of people who don't want Ohio State, who feel like Ohio State would be getting something they don't deserve, or or getting this help that they shouldn't be getting in addition to all the other bounty of help that they that they have for other advantages. Right, that's wrong. That's incorrect thinking. That's illogical, incorrect thinking by anybody who thinks that. And again, it is weird because I said that it makes you feel like a homer too. But I guarantee I'd be saying the exact same thing if, if Ohio State was Indiana and, you know, whatever, it was reversed. I was very adamant in 2016 that Penn State should make the playoff instead of Ohio State. So, um, yeah, it's okay. Just, just know, just know to the people out there who either are incapable of logical thinking or are capable of it and choose not to engage of it in it, we see you and we mock you. Here's the other possible possibility. The, the Michigan game can't be played. Michigan can't play on Saturday. Minnesota's coronavirus case, and they were up to 49 the last we saw, although their positivity rate did seem like it was coming down, but that's still like a third of the program that had tested positive for COVID-19. That seems like an obstacle to try to play a game next week. They've already canceled two. Um, so if Maryland, if, if Minnesota can't play, they're scheduled to play Nebraska. So then that leaves a couple of options. Either they would just put Ohio state against Nebraska again. And those two teams did play start the season. Ohio state would presumably play at Nebraska. I did talk to someone from the big 10 last week who confirmed that there is this you know mechanism for these, um, these scheduling these, these games when your opponents get cancellations and that rematches are fine. They don't have a problem with it. If the teams come to an agreement, that's fine. So just having them play Nebraska again is not a good scenario, but it's, it gets him that sixth game. It's better than them not playing at all. Then there's the other scenario, which would be you would switch up some of the matchups. You would have Rutgers play Nebraska, who they were supposed to play actually as the, another Big Ten West crossover in the original Big Ten schedule. And you'd have Ohio State play Maryland, which it was supposed to play earlier this season before it got canceled that's not something the big 10 has thrown out it's just something that other people have speculated on and i suppose there are other matchups if you really want to just blow up the whole final week you could but it does get a little bit tricky because there are some rivalry games legitimate rivalry games in there northwestern illinois and purdue indiana regional things that they probably don't want to screw up so i think that is what the big 10 is maybe hoping for in its heart of hearts that if, if michigan can't play that's what it hopes that minnesota also can't play because then the decision is kind of taken care of for it probably 
I don't think the Nebraska, I don't think Maryland and Rutgers care that much about playing each other. They're like fake rivals. They're, they just happen to be the closest two to each other. And so they've, they've sort of forced that rivalry, but I don't think it really means that much to either of those programs. So as long as it wasn't some kind of a hardship, I guess, on Rutgers, and I don't know if anybody, I don't even know how to define that now, to make them go to Nebraska and play another game, then I think the Big Ten and everyone would probably be fine with just flipping those games. Yep. It would be silly to make Ohio State play a repeat against Nebraska when there would be a much more logical solution. So, and again, it's not, we're being nice to Rutgers now. We're being nice to Rutgers. They deserve, they deserve it. They've earned our respect. We're just saying we don't care about your feelings. <laughs> and I don't want to fly to Nebraska. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you're Rutgers, it's, it's the same. I think Maryland would probably be in favor of that because I think Maryland, with the, with the season it has right now, I, I don't know. I mean, they're 2-2 two and two right now. They've had uh, some cancellations. Um, if they were to play Rutgers, they have a better chance of having a winning regular season than if they played Ohio State. But do you come to college to just beat Rutgers? Wouldn't you rather end up on a field against Ohio State, especially when you have this last week that you can get back to 500 with the crossovers? Um, I don't know. I, I think that's a, a very possible. But I, the other thing is I don't know how soon any of this gets resolved. I don't know how soon we find out whether Michigan can play. I don't know how soon we find out whether Minnesota can play. And the other, so that was my other question. Like, should the Big Ten, like, preemptively do some of this stuff? They better be planning for it right now. They don't have to announce anything, but they better have contingency plans in place. They better know if Michigan cancels the game on Thursday, what they're doing. I'm assuming they do. And if they don't, then they're going to feel some hot fire. That would be incompetence to not have the plans in place. They don't have to announce anything, but just be ready. You just be ready. I mean, you can't, you know, if Michigan cancels on Friday, the way Ohio State canceled for Illinois on Friday afternoon, then it's probably too late. But oh, if, yeah. it's bef- if it's before that, and frankly, you know what? Like if, you, if Michigan canceled Friday afternoon and you told Ohio State to go play Maryland on Monday, I mean, like there are creative solutions to all this. So um, also I enjoyed what you were saying about Maryland and what they might want to do and Rutgers and everything else, but also I don't care. It, they don't get to pick. It's not their decision. You're in a conference. You're being told. If, if, if the Big Ten does this, they're not going to ask Maryland and Rutgers. They're going to tell Maryland and Rutgers what the deal is. Because, by the way, this is the third schedule. So none of this is anything. So, like, to be, able, to be grabbing on to, like, but this was scheduled. It's like, I don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's unscheduled. Here's your new the, schedule. Does the Big Ten ever really operate that way? Has it operated that way throughout any of this? And who is but that voice that tells them that? But what, but what do you mean by that? Because the thing, but you're doing one thing. Because if you don't do anything, you're doing it to Ohio State. It's not, that's the thing that people have to understand here. People are acting like a lack of action. If Michigan cancels and the Big Ten does nothing, it's not doing nothing. It's doing something. That inaction is an action in itself. Because that action is our only undefeated team got scrawed again and we found no solution for them. That's a choice. So to act as if, well, why would you do that to Maryland? You're doing it to Ohio State otherwise. And that's why if Chris Fallick, the idea that if Ohio State is whatever, victimized by Michigan canceling, that that is somehow an act of God that nothing can be done. So, oh, well, 
we'll let the fates decide because we don't want to actually take action. That is a choice. So let's keep that in mind. It's happened to Ohio State. If you think, oh, well, we're going to screw Maryland, well, you're screwing Maryland instead of screwing Ohio State. Or you're just going to screw Ohio State. Or you're going to move – because Maryland still gets a game. These people still get games. They just maybe don't get the game that's on their third schedule. So I think that's a very important distinction. I'm not into acts of God. Oh, well, there's nothing we could do. Yeah, you can do something. Be a leader. Be a decision maker. Be an innovator. Be a problem solver. And if they don't, it's incompetence. I think we'll find out something sooner than later. In fact, I would not be surprised if there was not something Monday morning. But you can't preemptively cancel the Michigan game. So are they're not, I don't think they're going to give away a plan because now you've created – I don't think that's how they operate, though. Would they say if Michigan cancels by Thursday at noon, Ohio State's playing Maryland and Rutgers is playing Nebraska? Would they say that out loud before the Michigan game is canceled? letting everybody know or would they just tell those schools be on alert maybe it would leak i don't imagine a press release though do you i don't know that it would be about that matchup i I guess i should say that i don't know that they would necessarily put that in writing i would say that though we may have some idea about like the six game minimum they may decide that early in the week like say regardless of what michigan decides ohio state can get in with five games but why would they why would they preemptively change their mind on a thing that some people aren't going to like if yeah. it turns out they may not have to do it? Well, I think I, they're not going to announce anything until they have to. Because if, if Michigan's fine, this whole discussion is moot. And they don't ever true. have to be called to the carpet for any decision they made because it all that's worked true. out. I, I think the one thing that's out there, and I don't know how much of a concern it is, but the, the thing that upset me the most about Herb Street and the thing that continues to upset me most about things that people are still texting and tweeting at me is that – um, even though Ohio State made the decision not to play a football game because of its COVID-19 cases, that Michigan now only can possibly not play Saturday because it's trying to screw Ohio State. It's a, it's a childish, simplistic way to look at the world, um, and you should be ashamed if you do. And I think that's uh, the one area where I don't know if the Big Ten would want to give Michigan any cover with that. But you're probably right. I think they probably do have to just wait until um, Ohio State or until Michigan makes its final resolution. And it's just, it's just hard because, I mean, like you can't say, hey, Michigan, you have to decide by Thursday at noon what you're doing. And if at Thursday at noon you're still playing, you have to play. Because if Michigan comes on Friday and says, we have 50 positive tests, they can't play, right? So that's the thing of there is a point where this doesn't work out and there's nothing you can do about it. Again, unless you want to be creative and say we're going to move back just like the NFL has done. I mean, whether you think it's a good thing or not, the NFL moved the game back from Thursday to the next Wednesday, but they got it in. So could you move something back? And then are you at risk of having to move the big 10 championship game, which has TV issues and contractual issues? I get it, but I'm a problem solver, man. I'm here to solve problems. Most of the time people think I'm here to create problems. Well, most of the time people think I'm here to rip people, but I am a problem solver. Sometimes you are the problem. No, no, no. That's why I'm a good problem solver, okay. because often the problem is me. <laughs> I can just remove myself from the situation. Problem solved. <laughs> so, but you got to get creative. I mean, you can't just let it happen. I mean, honestly, there are some scenarios where it just happens and there's nothing you can do. But if you have any choice, you got to act, baby. We're going to take a break there. We are going to come back and roll through the rest of our categories here on the Monday Madness edition 
a Buckeye talk. All right, let's go back to kind of our more normal run through of, of some of these categories. Ballot boxing, where you make fun of my AP ballot. I actually think this might have been my best ballot of the season. Oh, because I actually have some this time. Oh, good, 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 <laughs> good. See, that's, that's that's how I know it was right. Just, yeah, seriously. My, yeah. So I have one major thing, and I do want to, I'm sure we'll have a Coastal Carolina BYU discussion along the way here. Why is Wisconsin at two and two ranked at all? You have them 20th. They have blown out Illinois and Michigan, and they have looked offensively incompetent against Northwestern and Indiana. Michigan is not good. Illinois is not good. Yeah. They are two and two. Why rank them? That's fair. Um, this whole season has been a, a difficult balance between the, the your perception of a team that hasn't played many games against your perception of teams that have played more games who you suspect are no better than equal and probably worse. Because like, here's the thing. You take out Wisconsin, and now you're putting in, I don't know, you know Oklahoma State, and you're putting in um, teams of that caliber that also I don't think are any better or worse. I mean – for to me, it comes down to if you were if, if Wisconsin had played its normal season, it's reasonable to expect. I, I don't know if it's the same question. If you would ask the same question, if they were like four and two or five and two right now, certainly not eight and two, right? Yeah. But they just happen to have lost to two teams that are both like top sixteen teams too. So it's not like they're just they, losing to yeah. nobody. It's part of the argument I made for Ohio State. Well, why would you right. discount Ohio State? Because if they would have played Illinois, they would have beaten them. If they would have played Maryland, they would have beaten them. So right. Wisconsin had what? Purdue and Nebraska canceled? Is that correct? correct? And it's like, correct. well, looking at Purdue and Nebraska. By the way, Purdue, woo, not oh so God. good. Oh looking at those two teams, why wouldn't you think? It's like, okay, well, Wisconsin had the unfortunate luck to have two games canceled against lousy teams they would have beaten. So, so I get that. But – but it's a fair question like, to ask, a completely fair question to ask. And I considered not ranking them. On the field, it turns out not a lot there, honestly. And I'm going to get into that in one of my later categories. Not what we thought. Wrong. We were – talk about – I mean, it would be interesting to, go, interesting to go back at some point. And this apply applies to every season, but maybe this season more. Which team this year – although there's a couple in the Big Ten, actually. Which team this year gave – the first impression that was the most incorrect. And frankly, Michigan is a very strong candidate for this, given what Michigan be. did to Minnesota. But what – Well, Wisconsin, but then also there was the, bad, the wrong impression of Minnesota going into that game. Correct. So it's like there's a lot, which is why we've been saying all year, it's like I can't get a handle on the Big Ten. But what we thought Wisconsin was with Graham Mertz, how he looked in the first game and what they were, and what it turns out the deal is, is we were mislit. Agreed. Um, and I think you're, you're, you, have, you, make a, you make a strong case. Um, as you know, though, you get down to the end of the poll, and there's very little separating, like, 19 from 35. So, so let me ask you this, and I don't, I'm curious about this. And, and, again, I'm allowed to do this because I look at it for 30 seconds. Um, I've made note a couple times on Twitter of the fact that Buffalo was on Ohio State's original schedule. That was one of their other MAC games this year, that they're, the three non-conference games that they lost were Bowling Green, who literally probably is the worst team in, in major college football. Oregon, who also turns out not that good. They lost again. And Buffalo, 
Buffalo, who's 4-0 with a running back who runs for like 700 yards per game. Buffalo is 4-0. In the MAC. you have Buffalo 25th. Like, if you ask me, I guess this is one of the things. If Buffalo played Wisconsin, would Buffalo beat Wisconsin? I, I guess not, but, like, that's a coach, Lance Leipold, who was on this podcast in the summer. They have a great running back. I don't know much else about them. I thought they had a, a decent quarterback that they believed in coming back. I don't know. No, they had, tough... some, they had some uncertainty at quarterback, they actually. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Th- that's, um, you know, that's an interesting team. You have them at 4-0, and and, again, the Mac started late. Behind 6-3 and three Oklahoma State, behind 6-3 and three UCF, behind 6-1 and one Tulsa, you know, behind 2-2 two and two Wisconsin. I like that you have Buffalo in there, but, like, did you give it much consideration? They're an undefeated team who's kind of got a little something to them, at least, of moving them up at all. Not really. I, I want to – the problem that the MAC has when you play a conference-only schedule is, is you – that all the group of fives have, which is not being able to really show yourself against a higher level of competition. Um, and, you know, they've played four games. They've put up an insane number of points, but they've given up some points too. I mean, this is, they've had some, um, some high scoring games. And when you look deeper in the metrics, I think you still see a, a baseline of play from UCF or some of those other schools that you mentioned. Um, so I think Buffalo deserves to deserve a mention. Um, but I, I didn't really think yet that they deserve to be higher on this list. Part of that is just a, a general disrespect for the Mac, I'm, I'm afraid to say. It's hard because I think often um, general disrespect for the Mac is okay, but often there's one team. Like yeah. often, like, or, or, and maybe there's not a team every year, but at least like every two or three years, there's like a team. You know, whether it was when Matt Campbell was at, was coaching at Toledo or – or Northern Illinois a couple of those years when Northern Illinois used to beat a Big Ten team every year. You know, Ben Roethlisberger back in the day at Miami. That the, Every now and then, not every now and then, I'd say maybe six or seven years out of ten, the best team in the MAC is pretty good. And then the other ones, no. It's like, okay, well, you're just playing against your conference. But it's hard to tell, as you said. If Buffalo would have come into Ohio Stadium and, like, run on this Ohio State defense and lost, like, 38 to 31 or something, then you'd be like, dang, Buffalo's got something, but we just didn't get to see it. And I don't, yeah, I don't and think I, that would have happened for sure, but they're interesting. I, I mean, I'm not going like to predict. 65 to 31, Ohio State. Yeah, that's probably right. That <laughs> we would have had questions about the Ohio State defense, but they would have had no chance. They would have been like, wow, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, just like everybody else. <laughs> Anything else that you wanted to? So we have to have the BYU Coastal Carolina discussion at some point. I think we'll get into where you rank Coastal Carolina, but I think uh, I, I might. I have some buy and sell. I think we can get into with that, so we can move on. I think. Okay. Um, let's do walk the line, which is where we discuss the. No, actually, let's do margin call. Who are we? Who are we buying and selling in college football? Because that probably, yeah, because it f- f- feeds into exactly what you're talking about, probably. So I can't tell. I mean, can I? Are we allowed to sell BYU, the team that everybody thought? I mean, it already bottomed out. I mean, we already lost all our money. If you had any BYU stock, it's it's worth it's worthless now. So I just, how are we supposed to read that? People were making, including again, Urban Meyer was talking about how great they are. Yeah. So. When BYU and Coastal Carolina scheduled this game at the last moment, and this is the game that people said BYU and Cincinnati should have scheduled, and 
Cincinnati had some COVID cases, which I guess probably prevented that. So Coastal Carolina and BYU play. Great. I think if B, I think my assumption going in that like was that like, well, Coastal Carolina is kind of a paper tiger and BYU is, is the real team. So if BYU would have won convincingly, it just would have reaffirmed to me like, yeah, well, Coastal Carolina is, is nothing. I mean, like, I don't want to talk about Coastal Carolina. That's why you didn't rank them for the first couple of weeks. If they had won a close game, if BYU had won a close game, I think I would have said, okay, that showed me a little something. Like, Coastal Carolina is better than I thought, but BYU won. Coastal Carolina actually beating BYU makes me want to say, I never want to hear about a non-Power 5 team making a playoff case ever again. Because let me tell you, if Coastal Carolina is your team, so who are we supposed to think BYU was going to beat Alabama? Right? Or BYU was as good as – and now they lose to Coastal – so Coastal Carolina is supposed to get to play Alabama? They're supposed to have a legitimate chance at the four seed? Are you nuts? Are you absolutely certifiably nuts? I think this ruined group of five teams for me because I just don't want to hear it. I get it. I'm congratulating Coastal Carolina on their underdog story and their teal colors. Congratulations. Please, I don't want – to hear these teams mentioned with in the same breath as Florida. I don't want to hear it for one second because there's nothing to it. Because if BYU, I get it. You're up until five o'clock in the morning studying film. Both teams were you're in the same spot. If BYU can't go throw all over Coastal Carolina, then they were never who we thought they were to begin with. And all the consternation and consideration about them in the playoff picture was a mirage. But who do you think is really actually making that argument that a, a, a BYU or Cincinnati deserves to really be considered for the four spot? I guess, I mean, the committee almost is, I guess, because they, they're putting Cincinnati like seventh right now. So I guess the committee is saying that they should be at least on the periphery of consideration. But the committee got ripped early on in the first rankings when they had Cincinnati much higher than BYU. Yes. And everybody was like, how dare they have BYU 14th? And it's like, where are those people now? Right. Where are you now? BYU was a mirage. So I just, I just don't, I mean, and you at times have been, have been a non-power five stick up for him a little bit guy. And I don't know, you have not been saying that like instead of Ohio state or Notre Dame or Florida this year, but this is why I don't ever want to entertain the discussion because it's fake. It's but fake. It's I, fake. I, I've, yeah, yeah, and I've never been somebody who who advocated for a group of five team to be in playoff contention in a four team playoff. I have said that if you opened it up to eight, and a team through whatever process we had earned its way into the eight, which I guess it probably would do this year, right? Like if we had an eight team playoff, I think Cincinnati would maybe be in position to make it. I think it, it it's it's one of those things that you're 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 kind of introducing just some theoretical thought, right? Because you're saying like if if Cincinnati, if you if you opened that up. And those teams then saw a path to actually make a playoff. What does that mean for them in terms of how they could enhance their programs and then close that gap a little bit? But that gap would absolutely exist. Like whichever power five made it or a group of five made it, like Cincinnati having to go play at Alabama in the first round of a playoff would not be good, would not be pretty. Does anybody understand what Indiana would do to Coastal Carolina? I hope. Tom Allen would disembowel them. Like it wouldn't even be – and that's Indiana. I mean, that's why I'm just like – that's just that's just the deal. And so I was glad sort of how it worked out 
because then I don't have to think about it anymore. But so I'm not, but Coastal Carolina is up there. Now they're going to get, they're going to get some votes, I guess, right? You have them 12th. That seems about 12th. right See, to me. Here's what gets tricky though. And it's, it's, so Coastal Carolina beat Louisiana Lafayette. Louisiana Lafayette beat Iowa State on the road. Iowa State's a team that people are putting like up in the top 10 now. And the only loss Louisiana Lafayette has is to Coastal Carolina. So it, transitive theory is tricky. I reject it as we've argued about at times on here, but if you start stacking those teams up, it's like, who, like, is it's hard to argue that Coastal Carolina doesn't belong in that same neighborhood as an Iowa State. Who else did Iowa State beat? I'm trying to think who their other losses to. That's the other important thing. I think they lost at Oklahoma State. They've beaten they... some other Big 12 teams. I don't have yeah. it right in front of me. So uh, they beat Texas, right? I believe. Yes, they just beat Texas last week. Or I and guess they two weeks ago now, technically. They're getting ready to play Oklahoma. I mean, I just would say, oh, they beat Oklahoma. Yeah, they oh, beat both Texas play, and they... Oklahoma. So here's why. So actually, if you have no problem with the transitive properties, and you just explained it, Iowa State has beaten TCU, Oklahoma, Baylor, Kansas State, Texas and West Virginia, they should definitely be ranked ahead of Coastal Carolina because I can guarantee you Coastal Carolina would not be 10-0 if they had played those teams. So, Well, the question isn't necessarily whether they'd be 10-0, it's whether they would be 7-2 and or whatever Iowa State is. You know what I mean? But it's, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, I would put, I would put Iowa State. If, you're, if you are ignoring the transitive stuff that you just said you're ignoring, I would put two-loss Iowa State ahead of undefeated Coastal Carolina because it's a mirage. It's all a mirage in the group of five. We make a case at 10 and 0, but when we play a real team, it all falls apart. Can we have a playoff spot, please? No. As much as I, I don't want to interrupt that uh, serenade, I, I, I'll say real quickly that my, my margin call was I was going to buy Coastal Carolina just as like to what? eat crow, but only just because I felt like I've given them so much crap all season long that I felt like I need to put my name on it and say, you know what? I, I, I don't think that they're one of the best teams in college football, but I had maligned them too much. They proved it. They went out on the field. I said, hey, you got to go play somebody real. I think by BYU, who also was overrated, is something approaching real, and they went out and won the game. So I'm gonna, I, I feel like I need to admit uh, it, it's a mea culpa. Have you been invited on any Coastal Carolina radio stations yet or no? I don't know if they have radio in that. Wow. You know, okay. <laughs> now you're just besmirching an entire part of the country. Okay. Um, uh, no, I haven't. I have not. I mean, it's actually a, probably a beautiful area of the country. I can't. Uh, yeah, I'm still waiting for that for you. So I don't know. I just I'm not downgrading these teams. I'm downgrading that. I'm downgrading people who want to put them in the playoff discussion. That's Although, again, you would admit, though, that like it's one thing to have doubts about a team and say, well, they need to go play somebody good. And then when they go play somebody good and beat them, I don't think that means that you were wrong about them before. It's like, oh, I have new evidence. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's probably unfair, right? I mean, Coastal Carolina kind of, you kind of can't win, right? Did I, it's like, yeah. oh, you don't respect right. them. They beat BYU and it's like, you still don't respect them. But I take that more as a knock on BYU um, than anything else. So, and if that's unfair, I'm, I'm good with that. And I think that, by the way, um, and, and Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson is going to be like, he's a, he's, he's a better pro prospect than Justin Fields. Is that right? Zach Wilson, 19 of 30, said that. 19 of 30 for 240 yards against Coastal Carolina. Better than uh, Justin Fields? Is that the, uh, that the scouts are saying there? Scouts are saying, hey, uh, 
You can take Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I might take Zach Wilson. Did you see Zach Wilson against Coastal Carolina? Threw for 240. Threw for 240 against Coastal Carolina. Justin Fields threw three interceptions against Indiana. Did you see Zach Wilson against Coastal Carolina? But point being, going into the Indiana-Ohio State game, we all kind of thought, I think, the Indiana might be a little bit overrated. And I thought that that result proved us wrong. I think, you know, so you, that's why that's kind of another example of how those evolve over time. So we're going to take another break here. We are going to come back and wrap up the Monday Madness edition of Buckeye Talk. All right, we're wrapping up Monday Madness on Buckeye Talk. Uh, We have not talked about Walk the Line, where we discussed the Ohio State betting line against Michigan. It opened at 30 points. I thought for a second they were like, oh, is that Central Michigan? Did somebody screw up? No, it's it's actually Michigan. 30 points, which I believe is the largest point spread in the history of this rivalry. It is certainly as far as like I can you can do a search through um, Odd Shark. They have a database that goes back to I think like 1993. It's the longest. It's by far the biggest point spread in, in, in the history of, of that database. So that's going back a couple decades. I was surprised by that number. Not because I think Michigan's good. But because I thought, and, 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 and again, obviously Michigan, there's a lot of uncertainty there as to who will be able to play. But we know who couldn't play for Ohio State, and it is a rivalry game. I, I, that just seemed like a, a little, at least a little bit too high. Do you know what the lines, do you have it in front of you? You said you were looking, do you know what the lines were the last couple of years for Ohio State, Michigan? Because, I mean, the, I, I feel like this is slightly influenced. Here's, here's the thing about the 30-point line. Remember a couple of years ago, remember in 2018, everybody, when Michigan was favored against Ohio State and Ohio State won 62-39? If Ohio State wins 62-39 this year, they don't cover. That's how big this line is. <laughs> well, yeah. When they win, you can win by 29 points like they did last year and not cover this spread. 56-27 last year. The two blowouts, the two historic blowouts that Ohio State fans currently use as a reason to mock their Michigan friends would not cover this line. And sometimes I like to mock draft people. They spend a lot of time on it. I get it. If you want to say Zach Wilson is a better NFL draft prospect than Justin Fields, I don't think people are actually saying it. I think some people would say there's some debate that perhaps Justin Fields is probably the second best quarterback prospect behind Trevor Lawrence. And then Trey Lance from North Dakota state and Zach Wilson from BYU are kind of right there. Some people, I think maybe even some people were saying on the broadcast that, okay, if you want to take the guy who two through for two forty over Justin Fields, that's your decision. It's just an incorrect decision, but I do think draft people do know what they're talking about a lot. Quitty pay from Michigan, the defensive lineman is like a top 10 pick in mock drafts that I've seen. And we made note of the fact after the game that I thought Dewan Jones and Max Ray and Matthew Jones and Harry Miller in a new position, they held up pretty well. There's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick against an Ohio State offensive line missing three starters. 30 seems like a lot. I think, it, I think it's a huge number. In fact, if you were to combine the last four point spreads per this Odds Shark database, the last four point spreads would not equal 30 points combined. Last year, Ohio State, you remember, do you remember what they were favored by last year? Last year, Ohio State, I would say they were favored by 12. Nine. And then the year before, Michigan was favored, right? By, by four and a half. Okay. And then it was 12 and a half. Uh, Ohio State was favored in 2017. 
and three and a half Ohio State was favored in 2016. So those four combined, I think, are like 29 and a half. So you would not get to this year's point spread, the opening point spread. Now we'll see if that comes down. That may have just been a number that they put there as the only number that they thought could get people to bet on the Michigan side of it. You have to put it that high and get some number on the other side. I don't know. But uh, that just seemed like, again, under the circumstances, because you can just you can crush a team and still not beat it by 30. To be fair, Michigan did lose to Wisconsin by 38 this year. So I imagine that influences somehow. Fair. But, I, I mean, this is, this is where you have to remember, if you're betting on a game like this, that this is not full-strength Ohio State. And that whatever they showed against Michigan State, and it's very hard because Michigan State beat Michigan, and Ohio State just beat Michigan State by more than 30. So blah, 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 blah. But Michigan has more good players than Michigan State does. That must have been a catastrophic cluster of coaching failures by Michigan in that game. I guess I watched part of it. How? How? Michigan has more good players than Michigan State. Michigan has more good players than Michigan State. Michigan has more good players than Michigan State. Indisputable. So there's just enough guys here and there. They got a couple skill guys. I don't know. They got a running back here or there. They, they have a couple draft picks, right? So 30 seems like a lot because I just think really – I think, and I think then that will show up a little bit more. Just then they'll have a, a couple more better players who can take advantage of Ohio State not being quite at full strength, but especially defensively, especially Michigan's defense against that new offensive line, missing four of their top six guys. You know, I mean, if I, you if think? I, you know, 30, I don't know. I mean, do you think Michigan's, do you think, do you think Ohio State missing those offensive line starters, should they source 60 again? They've averaged 60 the past whatever it is, the past two years against Michigan. Is that what we're talking about here? Or do you have to pull that down? So they scored 62 and 56 the past two years. That was like unprecedented. So if you think they're going to score 60, okay. I don't think Michigan's going to score 30. But I just feel like this is more like 38-14 or whatever, you know? Yeah, I was expecting a number like 25 and a half. Yeah. And I thought that would still like get yeah. you some I thought that might still get you some action on Michigan. Because again, I just don't know how much you I don't know how much you stock you put in the whole rivalry game aspect of things. You know Ohio State's missing players. Um I guess I and I did text this out. I do think you probably give Ohio State a little bit of edge knowing that its coaches are back. I think I that helps. That oh, like Ryan Day is back. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Ryan Day's play calling in the moment will matter. The rest of them don't matter. But Ryan Day's play calling will matter. No, I agree with that. And again, I thought I thought Kevin Wilson was okay. I thought they missed Ryan Day's in the moment play calling, actually, on Saturday. I thought there were a couple of things. They were throwing some swing passes that sort of like it was pretty clear that like that doesn't really seem to make sense to me anymore. I'm not sure why they're doing that. Um, so there's the plan you make during the week, and then you have to be able to adjust to that when you get to Saturday. And so I think having Ryan day, well, we've seen Ryan day has a history of carving up Don Brown. That's basically what the last two Ohio state Michigan games have been about is that Ryan day treating Don Brown, like a Thanksgiving Turkey. So yes, Ryan day being back matters. I'm trying to decide if I can like file some kind of a records request for any like security cam footage in and around the day house, just to see, because <laughs> there were probably some amazing reactions that that day because he's you know it's hard for coaches to relinquish control of things and especially when you're the play caller on top of that to just have someone else now be taking over your it's like the guy driving your Porsche and like driving it a little harder or a little wonkier than you would and now you've got to watch him 
throw swing passes to Trey Sermon or whatever for five yard losses. And I don't know. I think it would have been, there would have been some fun reactions, I think. Oh, I would be the idea of like, okay. Um, it's third and six. Okay. Well, we talked about this stuff during the week, but that's not going to work. So you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. Uh, they did the thing we talked about during the week that I knew wasn't going to work. Like I just, how many times I, cause obviously, and I'm sure there are times where I'm just like, oh, I do this here. I do this here. And Kevin Wilson did something else and it worked. And Ryan Day was like, oh, great. You know, that's not what I would have called. But I would imagine there were more than a few times when Ryan Day was like, nope, that'll be different next week. And that's not to – and it's just like, as you said, Kevin Wilson has driven some sports cars before. That was a pretty good offense at Northwestern when he was the offensive coordinator. That was a pretty darn good offense at Oklahoma when he was the offensive coordinator. That's a pretty – they had some pretty good teams that put up some points in some games when he was the head coach in Indiana. But he just hasn't driven this car. He's been involved with it, right? I mean, he's been around it. He's part of it. He's been in the passenger seat. And sometimes he leaned over and put his hand on the wheel, but he hasn't been in the driver's seat by himself with this exact car. And Ryan Day is very, very accustomed to what it's like calling plays for Justin Fields. And so I just think they missed it a little bit. Yeah, I think so too. But I think there have been times where we've we've said, hey, Ryan Day should have maybe called a different play here or there too. So it, 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 it all goes around. Um, and finally, we're going to wrap up with who's your four. So where we pick our four college football playoff teams as of Sunday night. This has been a very boring segment to this show in some ways because it's been, I think, the same four teams in relatively the same order every week. Uh, I still have Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, then Ohio State. Although I, I did think about Ohio State being my three instead of Clemson this week. Um, I give, I guess, Clemson a little bit of an edge, even though they took that loss because when they had to play their Indiana-ish team in Miami, they pounded them pretty good, As whereas Ohio State had some issues getting past Indiana and, and just some, some maybe some deference to, to playing the longer season uh, so far and having more um, data to, to judge them by. But um, that's going to shake itself out anyway when Clemson and Alabama – or Clemson and Notre Dame play again. I have a hard time with this because – I did have the Clemson-Virginia Tech game on while I was working after the Ohio State game the other night. And on Saturday, not the other night, on Saturday. It's when you play college football. And Virginia Tech threw a Hail Mary at the end of the first half that they caught at the half-yard line and didn't get in. But if they had gotten in, it would have been tied at halftime. And it was 17-10, to 10 and Virginia Tech like gave Clemson all they could handle in the first half. And Trevor Lawrence didn't look great. That offense wasn't humming yet. And then Clemson put them away in the second half. And everybody on Twitter saying, hey, this is Clemson. It's like, you know, they can turn a close game and a, a half a quarter later it's over. Okay, so Ohio State kicked Indiana's butt in the first half. And then in the second half, they let Indiana back in the game. So in games like that, let's just use this example. Clemson let Virginia Tech in the game in the first half and pulled away in the second. Ohio State dominated Indiana in the first half, and then Indiana came back in the second. Which is better? Is one well, Because I think people would look and say, oh, look, that Indiana win isn't as impressive, and it was closer in the end. I get it. And that you go by the final score on the difference. scoreboard, too. But do you hold anything against Clemson because the first half was practically a draw? Well, Clemson still no. won the first half and then like dominated the second half as opposed to uh, Ohio State, which won the first half and then was even up 35-7 to early in the third and then kind of got run from there on in. So I think that's the difference too. It's like that, where you're talking about where the final score comes into play a little bit. It, it's, it's a little bit apples and oranges. I understand, the, I understand the point you're trying to make though. Yeah, no, you're right. It is a little bit because, yeah, I mean, the final score was much closer than the Ohio State game. But, I mean, it's not like it's just I, – I, I, 
But you're right, and and Stevens come on here every week because he watches these other teams closer than I think we get to for something he gets to write. And his point all along has been like, you know, all those teams are really good. They all do really good things, just like Ohio State does, and all of them have issues, just like Ohio State does. And if you were to sit down and watch every single one of their games, you would would see occasionally some Clemson guy or some Alabama guy gets burned deep and and gives up a touchdown – and uh, occasionally they've probably got a, a, a guy that they give the ball to that the fans are like, what, what the heck are you guys doing? Like every team has that, I think, even at that level, even at that elite level, it's just, it, it's magnified in a different way. So I guess, and the thing that, that, that in the end matters here is because Clemson and Notre Dame is set, right? Do they have any more games? They are playing for the ACC championship. And, but that's it. They don't play this week. Correct. Right? They're off this week and they play for the ACC championship. And Alabama's playing Arkansas this week. I think that's right. And then we'll play Florida for the SEC championship. The thing, I mean, is everybody just in agreement now that as long as, Alabama, as, long as Florida doesn't beat Alabama, the four are set. I and I guess the question is – I can't is, imagine you can talk yourself into anything else. You would have to then be saying that Texas A&M's one butt-kicking loss that it took against Alabama – gets in over a undefeated Ohio state team that, that I don't think well, but, anybody can but, get there, but gets in over. I actually think, cause I don't think that would be the issue more. I think it's like the would Texas and I'm getting over the ACC championship game loser. Uh, I suppose. Yeah. That Clemson has two losses. So now, cause that's the thing too. Clemson that's, with two losses. Yeah. Are they still in or Notre Dame now loses to Clemson when Clemson's at full strength. And now is it like, oh, well, how good was Notre Dame really? Now they're in a discussion with Texas A&M. So the one good thing for Ohio State is that Clemson or Notre Dame is going to lose. So, But the other point I want to make about this is this. In terms of positioning and all this stuff, it doesn't matter because I think this is true. Ohio State, if it's the four that we think, Ohio State cannot play Alabama in the first round because they are not going to create a semifinal that is Clemson-Notre Dame part three. No, that's absolutely true. That's what so, I've been saying. Like that's going to decide it. That's going to take care of itself. The 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 Clemson Ohio State comparison will take care of itself. Because the only issue then is 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 Ohio State playing Clemson or Notre Dame. But you the Ohio State Alabama matchup cannot happen until the championship game. I think that's you. Agree, so you've been saying that. That's I think that's true. I believe would, it's true because they can justify enough of whatever. You know if if if. If Notre Dame and if Notre Dame beats Clemson, then Notre Dame's two, Ohio State's three, and two lost Clemson is is four. That's no problem. Now it's Notre Dame, Ohio State, and it's Alabama, Clemson. If Clemson beats Notre Dame, now you can say Clemson's number two, Ohio State's number three, and Notre Dame's four. So now you're playing Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson, Ohio State. But there is not a world where it's going to be Clemson and Notre Dame are two and three, and Alabama, Ohio State are playing in a one-four matchup. So. The thing you're just wondering about as an Ohio State fan is if you're in, are you playing Notre Dame or Clemson in the first in the semifinal? So here's I want to I want to wrap up with one little fun exercise uh, looking into the future. This is not how I think this would play out, but it's possible. Alabama flattens Florida. Very possible. Alabama's really good. Florida has some defensive um, suspect issues. Um, Notre Dame beats Clemson comfortably you know, 14 points, something like that. It was never, it, you know, it's a game that didn't come down to the last play. They're ahead in the fourth quarter. They, they, they win. So now, and Ohio state finishes and ends up being undefeated wins a big 10 championship against Northwestern. So those are your top three. Now who's all, your four? All undefeated. They're all undefeated. All undefeated. So now who's your four? Is it one loss, Texas A&M 
who's who's I guess who then who their claim to fame will be this three point home win over Florida, who will have then just got pounded by Alabama, and then their own pounding that they took against Alabama. Or is it two loss Clemson still? Or is Cincinnati coming off of its win over Tulsa or uh, Tulsa? No, that's that's tough. And on one hand, like Ohio State fans wouldn't care because Ohio State's in. So like the only reason we talk about this is because how it relates to Ohio State. So like that's an interesting discussion that has nothing to do with Ohio State because by the way, like in the scenario you're creating there, it's like Ohio State could lose one of its last two games and Maybe, still get yeah. in. Because Maybe. if you're having trouble figuring out who the four is, so Ohio State loses, now it's Notre Dame and Alabama, and now you have a whole bunch of teams Ohio State's still in. So that's I don't know, though. Hard. I think if, if Ohio State were to lose to this Michigan team at home, and now you're putting that resume up against Texas A&M, that gets tougher. I guess that's true. But then Ohio State would go because you're not – yeah. yeah, you would still be playing for the Big Ten Championship. And wait, Texas A&M wouldn't get to play for the conference championship, but still. Yeah. I, that, that's, not, that's not a loss you want to take. And I don't think you want to lose to Northwestern either and, and, and cross your fingers. So Ohio State's not going to lose to Michigan, so we don't have to worry about that. But I do think – I mean, that's a tough – what is Clemson's case as a two-loss team, right? Like, what's your case? Your case is that Lawrence the first loss – yeah, your case is that the first loss is, like, not really a loss. The, that there's, there's a part of that first loss that it, it's a – there's – not that it is a win, but that it, you shouldn't even be counted against you. It, those two losses almost equal one loss. But I think we're but we're speculating as to what the second loss would be. I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I, I'm throwing out a score of like you know thirty four to twenty or something. I could not have less interest in Texas A and M being in the playoffs, so it's very hard for me. And again, not that you'd have to finagle. Now you're creating a scenario where like now your semifinal game was like an Alabama Texas A and M rematch, right? I mean, so maybe it wouldn't work out that way. But um, I th- I guess I think you're right then that like, but I think I think Clemson and Texas A and M would still have stronger cases than Cincinnati. So I, I think you're probably correct. And with that, we will wrap up Monday Madness. Uh, we are off Tuesday from the Buckeye Talk podcast, but come back Wednesday. We expect to get player and coach interviews on Tuesday this week with Ohio State, uh, Ryan Day, and, and, and some players. They were very tight-lipped, uh, obviously, this past week. We didn't get anybody, but we've been told that we will get some people this week. So we'll be looking forward to that, and we'll be bringing you that intel. Uh, uh, get the text, 614 614- 350-3315. We'll be bringing that to you as it happens on Tuesday, but then also we'll be bringing you the podcast for Wednesday off of what we hear. He's and Doug Lamers. Can I, can, yep. I, can I interrupt just for to pitch it one more time? We did have someone on Twitter, at least one person say that they were getting, uh, they were planning to get a tech subscription for their friend as a gift. So it'd be a great thing to give them Michigan week. And again, you can be a cheap friend and just say you signed them up for the free trial. And then, but, or you, it's, it's the holidays. You could say, I spent four bucks on your gift and it's a month of Buckeye talk texts, four bucks. So just think about it. I thought that was a good idea. We responded. We, we like the idea that we are a gift. I, actually, now I feel bad. Can you imagine? You gave me this thing, this guy, he just texts angry things all the time. Who is this angry guy ripping everybody? Why really? did you get this for me? But if you think about it, you could be like, I spent $1,000 on your Christmas gift if you keep this for 25 years. 
That's true. Set, uh, maybe you'll forget. Maybe years. you'll just put it on your credit card. You'll put it, and you'll be like, what is this $4 charge for my friend? I'm not even friends with that person anymore. So anyway, it's a good idea. 614-350-3315. And again, we have seen the texting numbers go up. So we appreciate to all our listeners here. You guys make it work. Um, but if you have tried the texts and you've joined us uh, recently, we appreciate it. Or if you've been in from the get-go, we appreciate that too. Absolutely. He's Doug Lane Reese. I'm Nathan Baird. That was Buckeye Talk. 